You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Kelly joined by Ryan Abraham, and we have a special guest in studio. Very excited to welcome Gerard Martinez to the show. It's early signing period. It's coming up this week. Of course, we had to get Gerard in studio, the man, the myth, the legend. If you're talking recruiting, you got to talk to Gerard. So, Gerard, thanks so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me as usual. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's great to have Gerard here. <laughs> Ryan, we got lots of energy. Of, lots of numbers. We did a podcast with him this week, last two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, tons of recruiting talk. Now you can see people are like, oh, is he like reading off a paper? It's like, no. He just like talks. No, no Gerard is a wealth well, of information. Yeah. Before we jump into all that, if you guys want, we got a great special going on right now hey. for the early time period. Half off, 50% off. 50% off. 50% off a VIP membership. You can even upgrade your, your monthly if you're monthly. So get in there and check that out. Tons of stuff going up. We've just, it's been, the site's been insane lately. We've seen these shows do crazy, podcasts do crazy. All the stories we're writing on the site's doing crazy. The fans are excited, which is yes. great. Yeah. Fan apathy. What we're gonna do? Stock down on fan apathy. Gone. Like stock it's gone. Down, yes. People are excited about USC football again. So if you want the best information on the web about USC, go and check out USCfootball.com. Yeah. But we got the special going on right now through the early signing. The boards period. are on fire. Today was just a crazy day of pendulum swinging both ways, up and down. Crazy, crazy day. Just in general. I mean, Justin Wilcox turns down the organ job. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. I mean, we have a lot to talk about, and we'll get into that, Gerard. We got to talk about uh, USC coming off its last official visit weekend before the early signing period. Big things there. We'll get into that. Coaching staff updates. Uh, Gerard, I know you put an update a couple days ago on the board as well. And then Dante Williams, we reported earlier today that he uh, is expected to be retained by Lincoln Riley and be on the staff going forward. So we'll get into that. Uh, be sure to tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision, and I'll put your tweet up on the screen. Wherever you're watching, Facebook, uh, YouTube, or Twitter, put your comments, questions, and concerns in there. Uh, if it's a question for Gerard, put that too. I'll, I'll ask him up uh, directly, but uh, be sure to do that. We love hearing from you guys. But like I said, it's a, a big weekend that USC is coming off of for recruiting. I mean, Gerard, where do you want to start first? Where do I want to start first? Where do you <laughs> want to start first? I'm the guest. <laughs> yeah, what people don't know, it's... You know, there was only really one big official recruiting weekend that you could have for official visitors. For the new staff. For the new yeah. staff, yeah. So Lincoln Riley came in. And they, last week, USC had the away game at Cal. It was really going to be hard to kind of uh, incorporate things there. So there was at least one big weekend where you could bring in official visitors. And USC brought a couple guys like earlier in the week last week or in the middle of the week. Um, they had guys that were playing, you know, modern day guys that were playing on Saturday that they could bring in on Sunday. There was a basketball game today. 
where USC Lincoln Riley was there, Alex Grinch, a bunch of the you know assistant coaches, and also a bunch of the recruits that were there, not just 2022 kids, but all the way up to 2025 kids that were there, USC commit there. Yeah. Um, so there was all that kind of going on, and this is all leading up to Wednesday's early signing period. So it's going to be interesting to see how USC finishes, right? Because this is like – but this was – the big weekend because this was the the one opportunity where you could bring a whole bunch of people in prospects from all over the place and like show them what you got and show, take them to SoFi stadium and take them to nice dinners and uh, play them cool videos. We have a video on it. We can play that if, if you want at some point, Keely, but sure. um, yeah. So it's like, this was a huge recruiting weekend uh, for USC. So they, they're really trying to set it up so they can close strong on signing day. It's definitely the biggest and most important weekend for USC, it's sort of, uh, you know, the the end to the second leg of recruiting. So, you know, the first leg is those summer visits, which you really had everything happening in June. And USC had a lot of really big-time official visitors in June and obviously tried to create some momentum from there. They got a couple commitments. Uh, some of those commitments obviously did not stick because no. you go into the season and then you end up in that second leg where, you know, USC sort of falls on their face a little bit. Uh, you get Clay Helton fired. And Dante Williams comes to be the interim head coach. And you have decommitments. Uh, Michael Williams, five-star out of Columbus, Georgia, defensive end that was committed over the summer, he decommits. Uh, you lose Damani Jackson during the season. So you see it sort of unravel a little bit, which we understand. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty in the coaching uh, hire for the head coach was not going to be made right away. And I think that was, you know, going to play a big part of it. And certainly the direction of the program is USC really going to make that splash hire because we've talked about this time and time again in the modern era of USC football, USC has not made a splash hire. USC, the last few hires they've made have been somewhat under underwhelming. And so everybody, I think, was a little hesitant, a little questioned whether that was going to be the direction of the program. Are they really going to try to get back to winning championships or is it just going to get a guy that, you know, sort of fills that void, knows the fight song. That's Ryan's favorite saying. Mm. Uh, and they didn't do that. They, they made the biggest hire of the coaching carousel hires that were there to be made. And one of the few hires that could actually impact this 2022 recruiting cycle. And so it actually got started, not this weekend, but the weekend before Sunday, they had a meet and greet dinner and they had Elias Ricks on an official visit. And he was only one there on an actual official visit. You had some 2023 kids there. Um, um, Mateo Ungalale. You had uh, uh, Roderick Pleasant. Uh, you had a few of the 2023 kids. Um, Malachi Nelson, who just recently commit. Yeah. Makai Lemon, who just recently commit from uh, Los Alamitos. And so you had a nice little group there. Did Damani Jackson come to that one too? Damani Jackson was there too, but he was there unofficially. Okay. okay. So it was it was mostly unofficials, but you did have Elias Ricks, who is the former five-star modern-day cornerback who transferred from LSU. And so that was sort of the beginning of them actually getting some official visits, uh, get him going, and you obviously didn't have a full staff, and you technically still don't have a full staff yeah. right now. So that all obviously handicaps you to some extent. But then we got ready to go into this week, and we knew this was going to be the finale I think 91% of the recruits last year signed during the early signing period. Now, they didn't have official visits last year because of COVID. So that was probably the highest we we're going to see it. But the year before, it was something like 85%. So the early signing day has become the signing day. 
And like it or not, this second leg of the recruiting process up until the early signing day is the most important. The third leg is going to be after the holidays, and it's around January 9th is where that dead period ends. And then you have all the way to February. Yeah. And USC will have, we'll talk about it, a handful of prospects that could potentially still sign in February. But this is going to be the bulk of the high school class. Yeah. You're going to have grad transfers. You're going to have transfers. We think USC is going to be very, very aggressive in the porthole. And they're That's going an to have joke. He knows how to. He knows what portal. it is. But yeah, we yeah. we 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 are expecting them to be very aggressive with transfers. And you even had some transfers already on campus uh, for this official visit weekend. So again, Elias Ricks, we come in five star, had a really good visit. He's really down to Alabama and USC, Ohio State. Apparently, their numbers and the recruits they have, they feel like if they recruit him, and this is coming from Ohio State it's going to sort of mess things up for them. They don't want to rock the boat with their class right now, and they're up against that 85 number. So they're kind of sort of not really going after him very hard. And a lot of people thought Ohio State was the lead dog when he decided to announce he was going to transfer from LSU. So then you've got Alabama, and obviously Alabama, that's that's Are they good? Big time, yeah. Oh. And with Alabama, you have that potential of being a one-and-done player that could end up being a first-round draft pick. And so he's looking at Alabama. Alabama is still in it. I think on Alabama's and everything that I gather, Alabama's trying to sort out how bad they want him. You know, and is he a guy that actually is going to come in and compete with two guys that might already be there that are coming back that they're comfortable with? So again, it's a little bit of hesitation maybe on Alabama's part. USC is all in. They're going after him hard. And the interesting, impactful thing about this is, A, I think they – you know, gave a great presentation, you know, with, with Coach Riley. And and he got to meet Roy Manning as well. And that Sunday, Roy Manning was talking with the cornerback recruits. And he had been involved with those guys. And earlier in the week, they actually offered scholarships to Jalil Tucker and Jalil Florence out of San Diego Lincoln High School. And he was down there on the road recruiting. So we thought, okay, well, Roy Manning is going to coach quarterbacks just like he coached quarterbacks at Oklahoma. I guess that means Dante Williams is out. But Keeley... You have some news for us on that front yeah. yes. that sort of muddies the water a little bit. Yes. Well, it from what I've heard, it sounds like there's a potential that he could stay at corners, uh, be the corners coach. We'll see about that. It's still, I, from what I've heard, it was fluid throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get confirmation about what his position will look like going forward. So that's unclear at the moment. But he is uh, still on the staff. Gerard, what does that mean for recruiting? Because Dante Williams is such an elite recruiter. What does that mean now when you pair that with Lincoln Riley? Yeah, he's very dynamic. And obviously that gives someone on the staff that has a a real connection to local recruits and not just in this class but you know going all the way to the 2025 class Aaron Wright the 2020 Aaron White the 2025 cornerback from Orange High School he is a Dante Williams commit you know Dante Williams got a couple commits from some of the younger guys when he was interim head coach Jason Richardson Jr from Long Beach Poly 2024 wide receiver also commit to uh, the Dante Williams so Dante's got a great feel for those kids locally and, you know, this staff has a pretty good feel for California recruits and Southern California recruits. Oklahoma has recruited very well. And especially when you're looking at 2023 class where they had Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon both committed, ready to go to Oklahoma. So obviously Oklahoma, that staff that was there under Lincoln Riley, doesn't need a ton of supplemental help 
to be able to connect to local recruits to know what's out there in terms of the recruiting pool locally. But certainly when you bring Dante Williams in, you bring in a whole nother aspect of being able to reach in. And certainly that is true with Elias Ricks. And so that's why we had that segue. That's kind of a big deal for Elias Ricks. Elias Ricks really has a good relationship with Dante Williams and kind of got USC back involved when he decided he wanted to transfer from LSU. So that's a, a mark, you know, a checking the box, or if you will, for USC in that recruitment. And I think it does help also with Damani Jackson. Although I will say this, Roy Manning and I think that staff did a great job in that Sunday and just trying to get to know Damani Jackson. Damani Jackson didn't have Oklahoma up in his top echelon of schools. You know, it was Alabama and it was a few other schools there, but not so much Oklahoma. But this coaching staff really made up a lot of ground. And I, I would have said probably two, three months ago, Dante Williams is not on the staff. Damani Williams is gone. That ship would have sailed. But Damani Jackson, yeah. I, excuse me, Damani Jackson. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. But now that you have Dante Williams, obviously it's a moot point. So, right. you know, you, you kind of get both. You're getting that synergy of the relationship that he has with Dante Williams, Dante Williams being there, and obviously the winning aspect that you're going to get with Lincoln Riley. So, again, that was sort of the transition into this week. Before we got actually in this weekend, though, we also had Marvin Jones Jr., a five-star defensive end from Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida, come in on an official visit, a real sort of drop out of the sky, you know, a five-star just decides to just drop in. <laughs> and that's sort of what you get when you get a new coaching staff. And this coaching staff obviously could recruit well. Jamar Kane, who is going to be perhaps a defensive end coach. We don't know, maybe defensive line coach. Uh, he was recruiting um, Marvin Jones at Oklahoma and had a really good rapport with him. And it was boom, boom, boom. Within getting, you know, uh, I think the news that Jamar Kane was headed to USC he was on a plane 24 hours later, taking an official visit midweek to USC. And we hear that that official visit went really well. It's just one of those things where USC is such a new school. It's such a new option. It weren't among his top five. They weren't yeah. among his top seven. And so now he's, you know, having to take all in Los Angeles. And, okay, if I move across the country, you know, he's got Alabama, he's got Georgia, and he had Oklahoma in there. I think it's Alabama, Georgia, and USC. So you're talking about two college towns. And Norman, which he was really comfortable with, versus Los Angeles. And then obviously you think, well, Los Angeles, Fort Lauderdale, those are much closer together than Fort Lauderdale, Tuscaloosa, or Fort Lauderdale, Athens. So perhaps that works for USC. But, you know, some kids want to just go to the college town. So we'll see how that shakes out. But that's one that USC is in. A lot of people wrote it off as a free trip to L.A. Not now. Not this late in the process. The kid is not going to just say, oh, let me just take a midweek visit out to Los Angeles and sneak this in when I've got an official visit to Georgia for this weekend. And that's where he was actually this weekend. So he went straight from Los Angeles to Athens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and real quick on the Dante Williams stuff again, Keely, because, yeah. you know, and initially you thought, okay, Dante Williams has to be on the staff. Like they need the recruiting prowess and all that stuff. And then you bring in Lincoln Riley, who's an ace recruiting California already. And there's like, oh, maybe he wouldn't be retained, but you know, Whatever happened behind the scenes, he's coming back. And I think that, you know, certainly adds having an ace recruiter, you know, multiple times, you know, Pac-12 recruiter of the year, national recruiter of the year. Obviously, that helps you, right? Um, but there are, you know, there's going to be a little kind of juggling and just trying to make sure this works out okay. Because there were guys that were committed to Dante's crew that are no longer committed now that you would assume Lincoln right. Riley sort of ran off. And, you know... It wasn't, but we don't say I, ran off. That's a 
not the right way to put it. You got to reevaluate what you're going what? to do. They made a decision. I'm trying to save you from yourself here. No, <laughs> they tried. They, they ran them off. Welcome <laughs> to my life, Gerard. <laughs> Just well, you you have when they took over, Lincoln Riley could have made one or two decisions here. You could have gone one or two ways. You could say, okay. We're going to go and we're just going to build on top of this class and just have the numbers for the sake of having numbers. And that could be an argument because they could sign a full class very easily in 2022. However, the other option was we want to start from a, a, a clean slate and we want to reevaluate everybody's in this class. It's what's, uh, what works for us, but it's also what's good for the, the, the recruits because they're going to end up in a system or they're going to end up with coaches that don't and the end of the day want them and then they're going to end up falling through the craps and cracks and then they're going to end up transferring. So it, I think it was one of those situations where it's like, let's mutually beneficial. Now. Yeah. 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 No, no, let's, I've... let's come to that fork in the road and let's make this decision now to go ahead and wipe the slate clean, evaluate who we have and move forward in that direction. And that's what they did. And, but you are correct. You know, Kevin green, uh, the, the, the wide receiver from Bishop Alamany, who just committed to Arizona, he was committed to to USC. Um, Fishian uh, uh, Prysock, yeah. who who was uh, committed to USC, another Dante Williams guy, yeah. and and now you know decommitted. So yeah, there was definitely that sort of transition to where there were Dante Williams guys, right, that are no longer there. So again, that was more you know in, reinforcing to us. Dante Williams is probably not coming back. <laughs> right. It seems like that. But now, so now he has to integrate himself with Lincoln Riley. The good thing is they're both really good at their jobs. And that's that's better than you're trying to bring in someone that's not that good. And you're trying to, like, yeah. they're both really good, but they have to mesh somehow. So obviously Lincoln Riley, you know, he's the boss now. So he's going to say, this is the direction we want to go. And to be fair, there's probably guys, if USC had more cachet going on like they do when Lincoln Riley comes in, Dante Williams would have been recruiting some of those other guys. You yeah. weren't seeing USC in with, oh, it's a USC-Alabama battle. You know why? Because USC wasn't very good. Now that Lincoln Riley's there, you're going to talk about guys that's a USC-Alabama battle. Dante Williams can play in that space. He just needed some back. He didn't really have like the backup behind him. There wasn't like any collateral. USC didn't have that cachet now it does with lincoln riley so how do those guys end up working together and i think for a lot of the current players on the staff we know there's already been some guys hit the transfer portal having some sort of continuity with the previous staff can be beneficial now it could be make things a little muddier and complicated too it just depends but i think a lot of the players will like having someone that's been around and kind of knows the way things were done and he can, you know, share with stuff. If, if something doesn't look right to Lincoln Riley, be like, Hey Dante, so why was this going on or why? And, and, you know, you hope that that can be a good relationship where they can work together because sometimes when you have something like this and things just go off the rails and you have the worst season in 60 years, cleaning house makes sense. Like no one's going to say, okay, you should keep a bunch of the people. No, because they were terrible. Uh, just not that the people were terrible, but just the results were terrible. So having Dante Williams there, it certainly is going to help recruiting, but I think it can be a nice bridge between the two, but it's got to work out well. There's, there's potential problems there, but I think it can be something that's good for the, you know, the former players and maybe it keeps a few more guys from going into the transfer portal. So it, it definitely makes things uh, a little bit more complicated, but you know, potentially better if you can have Lincoln Riley, Dante Williams kind of working together. Gerard, mm -hmm. do you think it's complicated like Ryan's describing? Well, it's complicated from the culture standpoint. It's more from the team standpoint and the direction and the message and trying to turn from what was 
and listen, Dante Williams was not necessarily a Clay Helton guy. He just got here. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's only been on that staff. That probably helps, actually. Yeah, yeah. for a, a, a year and a half, really, because you had the shortened season and then you had this season. And he was an interim head coach this season. And obviously, he was strapped with a lot of hurdles. This was his first time ever doing something like that. There was a lot of obstacles there. And he's a young guy, and he's just getting used to that feel of, okay, being a decision maker in a, in a, in a, in a football program, uh, never been a coordinator before. So yeah, that's definitely something I think more from a team element standpoint and a culture element. Um, he's got to be on board hundred percent. And I don't necessarily know there's something that would impede that, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, we knew that that would be overlap. And this is why Mike Bone and Brandon Sazna decided that they wanted to have him as interim coach. I think it had a lot to do with knowing that he understood how important recruiting was. He was going to get out ahead of it. He was going to spearhead it. And even how difficult it was, because Ryan said, you know, he was sort of strapped with the Clay Helton you know, is he going to be at USC or not? Uncertainty. Yeah. And then the fact that there was complete uncertainty once Clay Helton was fired. And I know that was frustrating. And they still did a tremendous job. And this is where you got to give them credit and you got to give the support staff there Armando Hawkins, Marshall Sherrington, uh, Dane Stevens, Viani Tui uh, Malavo, um, Gavin Morris. Uh, Gavin Morris. I mean, just the, the whole group that was there, uh, Lenny Vandermade, they still got a lot of really good kids on campus for unofficial visits. Now, they got them on campus to watch some really bad football <laughs> and some really bad blowout games, right. and maybe that didn't help them in certain situations, <clears throat> David Bailey. But there are definitely um, – you know, something to be said for keeping the bodies warm. I mean, that was really what they needed to do. They needed to have those guys to the point where they still had relationships with them so you could make that call and get that kid to campus and get him in front of Lincoln Riley when that Lincoln Riley hire was actually made. Mm -hmm. Now, overall, Gerard, since you've seen recruiting at USC for years and years, from the coaching standpoint, how's it been so far with Lincoln Riley? I know the night that uh, Lincoln had the introductory press conference. We see a picture later on Twitter that he's in Relique Brown's home doing an in-home visit. Uh, what have you seen from the effort so far by R Lincoln Riley and staff? I mean, he's everywhere. And I think he's taken it, you know, to really sort of where Lane Kiffin did. Lane Kiffin was another young coach that came in that was all about just recruiting and constantly recruiting. And even the players on the roster were like, yep, Lane's always recruiting. And I think Lincoln Riley understands that aspect of it. He's very aware of it. And, you know, his name and his success really sort of speak for themselves. So there's that aspect that comes with it. Um, I don't think any other coach that you would bring in at this point in time would have, as Ryan says, a cachet where, you know, we talked about this with who could really hit the ground running to where, you know, you're only going to have a limited time with recruiting until the early signing yeah. day. Who's actually going to make an impact for this class? Is it even salvageable? And really, there was only James Franklin that we could talk about. Took Urban Meyer off the list very early. And Lincoln Riley obviously even takes them further. I mean, we didn't even discuss Lincoln Riley because we never thought he would be an option. Yeah. So, yeah, that's he's the one coach that because of how hard he works and how hard he pushes it, in addition to the success and the proven ability that he's had at Oklahoma, you have both those things working for you. So you've seen kids flock and they're definitely excited about it. There's still an element of okay, coach, go prove it on the field. You know, there's still that element of, okay, what's it really going to look like in the Pac-12? What's it really going to look like at USC? But I think for sure, a lot of these kids are ready to buy in. And I think the assistant coaches have obviously done a very good job as well because I've heard nothing but good things. Roy Manning, uh, Jamar Kane, uh, these guys have come in and, and certainly they've made enough of an impact where they're getting these type of kids that are on campus for this last minute official visit weekend, which 
we still have to talk about because yes. we we got you right up to the to to that to that Thursday <laughs> with Marvin Jones Jr. But we actually haven't talked about this weekend yet. Yeah, yeah. we will. In in one second, I just want to ask another broad question since we're on this topic. Under Clay Helton, we saw a lot how schools outside of California would come in and poach the best talent. I mean, Bryce Young just won the Heisman. How long will it take Lincoln Riley to put that fence back around the talent that's in California? Not very long. I mean, he's already kind of doing it. And again, you know, if they have a successful year next year, and we're going to get into that at some point, probably not this (laughs) <laughs> not this show. Not this show. <laughs> but when we get into closer to spring, uh, we're going to get to a point where you know we can start to talk about what we can expect from them. Um, but you want to see some progression. You want to see you know the team looking like yeah, the cultural change is there. There's going to be bumps and bruises. There's going to be weeding out. There's going to be things that happen in that first year that uh, you know I, I I'm not thinking they're just going to go ahead and just win the Pac-12 right out. You know maybe they don't. But you still want to see some of what you saw at Oklahoma in a, in, a, in a directional um, sort of push from a trajectory standpoint. And that's going to continue to sort of get that going. And once they win those big games, because that's where that's where you see it. I mean, they turn the corner. And, of course, that's where ESPN and everybody else is just lame and just, you know, watching games and go, oh, is USC back? You know, is Texas back? How many times have they asked, is Texas back? And they're not. You're going to hear the same thing about USC. So USC's got to be on top of that. You know, Lincoln Riley has to say, you know what? It's not about winning a big game. It's not about, oh, we beat Oregon or, oh, we beat this team or that team. It's about the consistency and the dominance year in and year out. And then when you go and you have that behind you and you do win that big game in the SEC or you do win that game, maybe it's in Vegas playing LSU and they're supposed to be good with Brian Kelly and his fake Southern accent. You're, <laughs> you're, you, then you start really, you get this sort of, okay, the Keith Rivers of the world start to look at you and you start to be able to go in and grab these guys out of Florida and you become more consistent. So I would say that's sort of where the real big rush comes in. This class is about getting some marquee players, a guy like Raleigh Brown, you know, 5'8", 185 pounds, a guy that a lot of people see as, as being sort of that Reggie Bush type of guy in terms of his impact on the offense and and the gravitational point for the system and the program where you go, there's the guy that's going to be the sports center guy, the highlight guy that's going to put USC back on the map from a superficial standpoint. And so, you know, you want to have those guys, which they were not going to be at USC. Even if Clay Helton would have won eight games or seven games this season, those guys were out of the picture for them. And now they're in the picture. So it's going to be a small class, but it's going to be quality instead of quantity. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's get into the official visit weekend. I think we kind of got used to the the schedule or routine that USC uh, gave uh, recruits on official visit weekend, but it sounds like it's different this weekend, Gerard. Oh, it was all over the place this weekend. Um, <laughs> they had kids coming in, like we said. They had uh, you know the midweek visit for Marvin Jones Jr., and then so he left before the weekend visitors came in. And so uh, your Saturday, you had your Fabian Ross, you had your Andre Roy. Um, Andre Roy is a uh, big, you know, Offensive tackle from St. Francis in Baltimore, a guy who's committed to Penn State, still committed to Penn State. We got the update on him. Check it out on the site. Um, but a guy, again, you know, Jamar Kane, you know, out of nowhere, not a guy that USC was really recruiting, not a guy that really was on the map for Oklahoma either. But Jamar Kane has been in that area in the Northeast 
and has really done really well with some guys. He had a, a kid, a defensive end, uh, committed from St. Francis as well. Derek Moore, who we thought were, was going to visit this weekend, he canceled that visit, and he ended up visiting Michigan. So that's that's sort of been the whole weekend. It's been, you know, this guy's visiting. No, he's not visiting. This guy's visiting <laughs> instead. All this guy's visiting. He wasn't supposed to visit. Um, so, you know, with, with Andre Roy, he's going to think it over. He says he's going to make a decision Wednesday. But right as of right now, he's still committed to Penn State. But you're talking about a really big body, offensive tackle. He's only three-star, but USC needs some big bodies uh, on the offensive line, certainly. So, you know, and, and talking about Fabian Ross, he's been committed. Uh, I think at this point, he might be the longest commit that USC's had in the 2022 class. Okay. So he goes all the way back to the spring and uh, a real physical corner, um, a guy that could end up playing maybe a little nickel safety. He's sort of a hybrid player. And one of those guys, again, that was part of the committed class, that uh, Alex Grinch, defensive coordinator, and Lincoln Riley reevaluated and decided we want to keep him a part of the class. So he was a guy that was already committed as a four-star, and USC decided, you know, this is a guy that we really want to be able to, to keep and bring into the program. And so uh, that was kind of a big deal, you know, him surviving, I guess, the, the cut, if you will, as Ryan likes to like to say. Uh, Cyrus Moss, also from Bishop Gorman. They had the three Bishop Gorman kids on campus this, uh, this weekend. Uh, big 6'5", 220-pound defensive end, four-star, a guy that – you know, I talked to early in the process and really said some great things about USC. You would have pegged him to be a USC target for sure. But throughout the process and going into the summer, USC kind of fell off the map for him. And he wasn't – they weren't in his top five. And so, you know, you get Lincoln Riley, you get uh, Jamar Kane, and you start to get some guys. And it looks like USC is going to turn the corner in terms of the program direction. And they get him to go on campus, and they get an official visit from him. Now, interesting thing about him is that he was on campus Friday, Saturday, and actually left Saturday afternoon to go visit Miami because Oregon was a big player for him. And now Mario Cristobal leaves from Oregon and goes to Miami. So now he's you officially visiting out, yeah. Miami for a 24-hour visit. And we have a few of those this weekend where kids – we're just taking 24-hour visits to sneak in that visit, uh, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But So he was on campus for USC uh, the Friday and the Saturday, and then he left for Miami. So um, he's a guy that I think USC has a very, very good shot at. We're going to see what happens with Miami. They're going to get sort of the last word in there. And uh, like I said, he was very close to committing to Oregon and Mario Cristobal when he was there. We're going to see what he does with uh, Mario Cristobal being at Miami. Uh, Javante Barnes is a guy that popped up that was – not ironically, actually supposed to visit Miami. So you got a guy that was supposed to visit <laughs> Miami. Um, doesn't. Doesn't and ends up on campus at USC. And one of the reasons we think he ended up on campus at USC is because USC has hired a new running backs coach. And I know that transitions into a whole other topic there, Keely. So <laughs> I'll keep it brief on that. But okay. to Shar Choice, who has a very good relationship with Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes had Georgia Tech in his group of favorites kind of out of out of the blue just look out of place it's Alabama, Oklahoma, USC and Georgia Tech. And no disrespect to Georgia Tech but just in terms of football they were a little out there and it was because of Deshard Choice. So we were the running backs coach at Georgia Tech. At yeah. Georgia Tech. So we really sort of unravel that and and I think that's a big reason why Javante Barnes decided to take that official visit uh the six foot 195 pound uh, running back out of Bishop uh, or excuse me out of uh, Desert Pines High School in Las Vegas so he got on campus that's a big win for USC to have the thunder and lightning with Raleigh 
Brown being a guy that's, you know, that sort of uh, all-purpose back that's going to play in the slot. They're going to move him around a lot. And then to have another big-time running back there that, again, you know, he's probably going to be 210, 215 in college and and a guy that you can give the ball 20 times to, which USC just has not had. I mean, they had two three-star commitments out of high school since 2019. And one of those guys is not on the roster right now in in Keenan Christian. So, yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, you know, they were supplemented a little bit with the with the tra- uh, with the transfers that they got from Texas and, and TCU, um, Darren Barlow and, and Keontae Ingram. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to recruit way more guys. I think I did something in the war room when I was talking about the the running back recruits that USC has recruited over like the last five years compared to Alabama. And Alabama recruited like eleven, and USC had recruited like four. So I was wow. like, man, there's a big discrepancy there. And I understand you're running the air raid offense or something close to it. But you got to run the ball a little bit, and they weren't getting that talent. So a guy like Javante Barnes will be the first time in a long time here that we're seeing a big-time running back that's a guy that can actually get the ball 20 times, and you can kind of focus on him. Uh, They also brought in uh, Hampton, Georgia, Dutchtown three-star linebacker Garrison Madden, another guy just kind of like Marvin Jones in terms of you know, gets the scholarship offer, gets the invite to come down to USC. And within 24 hours, he's on a plane and he's in Los Angeles. And so this is a guy that was completely off the radar, um, not a guy that was recruited by Oklahoma uh, and didn't have an offer from Oklahoma and not recruited by USC, didn't have an offer from USC. He just visited Syracuse and South Florida and he decided, hey, I'm going to jump on that plane and I'm going to go see USC. So I talked to him a little bit today. Love to visit. Came out with his mom and dad. Uh, he still wants to make a decision uh, Wednesday. I think USC is in a really good place just in terms of what he's looking for in a school. But again, it's sort of like, okay, now I got to think about USC. Like, yeah. like it wasn't a part of the equation just a few days ago. And now all of a sudden, boom, now we're, we're thinking, you know, I could go to USC. So um, I, I think that they're in a good place for him. Uh, and, and certainly he's a very interesting player, six foot, 200 pounds, runs a 10, seven, one. Uh, he's a track guy as a as a as a linebacker and probably one of the fastest linebackers in the 2022 class. And so you check out his film. It's it's very dynamic. Uh, he's he's a guy that, that maybe just one of those under the radar guys that uh, nobody really want to talk about. You know, it's funny. Ironically, he's from Hampton, Georgia, and I think to uh, to choice is from Hampton, Georgia. So that might have been something connection, yeah. going on there. Georgia Tech really wasn't in it for him either. So I don't know, but I just thought that was kind of interesting in terms of you know coincidences. And then you had uh, Jaleel Florence, the uh, six foot, hundred and eighty pound cornerback from uh, Lincoln. Uh, we talked a little bit about him, high school in San Diego. And that was where Roy Manning went down there and offered both of those kids scholarships, Jaleel Tucker and Jaleel Florence. And both of those guys were committed to Oregon. Uh, I believe Tucker is still committed to Oregon. Um, I can't remember if Florence actually backed off his commitment or he's actually still committed to Oregon. But he took that official visit to USC. Both of those players, though, are expected to make their decisions in February. So they are going to be of that group of a handful of of kids that will be February signees. At least that's what we think right now. Um, you know, mine could change. He could have went to USC, loved USC, decided he's going to sign early. Uh, but right now it sounds like the two Jaleels uh, from San Diego are going to be uh, guys that end up uh, being the February signing day. And then you had a couple of uh, grad transfers. You actually had three. You had two guys that I think are grad transfers. Bobby Haskins, uh, who I know is a grad transfer from Virginia, uh, the big uh, 6'6", 295-pound offensive tackle um, who – on campus, uh, 
Somebody ran into him, and I, and I was talking to him, and they said, man, we don't got guys that look like that on the <laughs> offensive line. And so uh, he, he's, he's a kid. He's going to have to finish off some of his schoolwork at Virginia. Um, but it sounds like he really enjoyed his trip to USC. Didn't want to do any interviews because he actually has got to go back, and he's got a crunch here for winter quarter uh, or the winter you know, little break that they have to try to get in a couple classes um, so he can transfer out and be ready for spring uh, wherever he decides to go. And you also had – Earl Barkett, who is a 6'3", 280-pound defensive tackle from TCU, former three-star from Dallas, uh, a guy that, you know, you watch a little bit of his film and, and very dynamic, very quick uh, interior defensive lineman and a guy that you can see would fit Alex Grinch's scheme very well. Alex Grinch's scheme, uh, uh, scheme up front is extremely mobile, they, a lot of movement, a lot of shifting, a lot of stunts. He likes guys that are quick. It's very different than Todd Orlando's defense. They're both 3-4 hybrid defenses, but they're different in terms of schematics and how they use those defensive linemen. So he needs guys that have quick quickness both laterally and upfield, and that's what you get with Barquette. And finally, um, Dalen uh, Henley, who is a 6'2", 225-pound uh, linebacker coming in from Nevada. I don't know if he's a grad transfer, but he does have one more year uh, because of the COVID waiver. Okay. So he's transferring. He's originally from Crenshaw High School. He actually was recruited. He was a two-star wide receiver slash quarterback <laughs> out of high school. 6'2", 220. I'm telling you guys, West Coast kids, man, they just develop a little later, a little later. And so he's 225 now. Um, he's a big-time player uh, in that conference. And a guy, again, you talk about speed, that's what he brings to the table. He's a guy that can run, uh, being a former wide receiver. So that's the group. Some of those guys came in Saturday, and then some of those guys came in Sunday. And, Keely, we haven't even got to the modern-day kids. They all came in Sunday. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll give you a break to breathe. We had a comment. <laughs> yeah, you got to breathe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we had a comment that said, damn, Gerard is a walking Wikipedia. We tried to warn you at the top of the show. He hmm. just is a wealth of info. I'm trying, I'm trying to do the crib notes. I'm not, I, I don't want to get too into it, but I do want people to know, you know, who these kids are. And, you know, obviously they want to know impact wise, position wise, because there's going to be a lot of holes on this roster. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then just I'll give Gerard a little bit of a break. So, sure, go for it. Ryan. So like we were talking about people coming in in stages really because, you know, typically an official visit weekend, you know, that you have the few leading up to the early sign period, whatever it is, you'd like it to be sort of structured, like a bunch of guys come in on Friday and we do this and you do that. You go to SoFi and we go to dinner here and then you have breakfast on the beach and sort of like everyone's on the same page and same schedule. Well, you're trying to cram in. This is like cramming for a test, and you're trying to do it. Everyone's gonna have a different schedule, and you weren't around. Like basically, he, you know, Lincoln Riley wasn't here two weeks ago, so everyone's making last-minute plans, and you're trying to basically put as much stuff into, uh, you know, a, a weekend as you possibly could. Unfortunately, you know, mo well, not unfortunately for modern day, they were playing high school football still. Yeah, you know, state they, championship game against uh, San Mateo. Um, Sarah High School. Yeah, so they're playing a state championship game on Saturday. Well, you're not going to be able to official, take an official visit or a visit. So they delayed that until today, until Sunday. So there's a group of players from Modern Day High School um, that were going to be able to come uh, to campus today. So it sort of was like, I mean, I know a lot of times when you have these coaches and the, the staff, everyone, they're hosting these players. And it's sort of like, a, you know, you, you're like doing this, 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 boom, boom, boom. And then it's like Sunday. All right, we have breakfast on the beach. And then everyone's getting their rides to the airport and yeah. going home. This was like a weekend that didn't end. This was like a long bender that just, it started last Wednesday and it's going like through Sunday. So this was a lot of work for these coaches. Oh, yeah. The today's day was like a big one. 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, this kind of was similar to even June because you did have some midweeks in June where kids just wanted to get all their official visits done, and you've only got four weeks there, and you've got five official visits. So some of those kids wanted to squeeze in an official visit then, and I was talking to several coaches and everybody going, wow, man, it, it like it, this is like a week thing. Like you get kids in for a Wednesday and a Thursday, and you got a kid coming in a Friday, and then you got five kids coming in on Saturday. And so, yeah, the official visit process, you know, back in the day, it used to be, you know, they come in Friday night, and they stay there, and they leave Sunday morning. And it's the 48 hours now. It's very staggered, and yeah. you know, you have to do that, obviously, because everybody wants to meet Lincoln Riley. Everybody, you know, wants to meet the position coaches. So you have to stagger sort of what they're doing when they're taking tours, but then you have to get everybody back together to go eat dinner and you have to get everybody back together to go to the basketball game or what have you this was a unique weekend and certainly i know usc would have loved to have maybe two more weekends you know to to, to be able to do this and to be able to uh, spread this out a little more and give kids maybe a little more time to think about this um it could go either way uh you could you could you could hit it with that sort of uh, emotional impulsive Man, that was an amazing visit, and I'm just gonna sign a USC, and they're still kind of on that high a little bit going into Wednesday. Or it could be just one of those things where it's like uh, I just have anxiety, and I love USC, but I don't know. I just I've just been thinking about them literally with the last week, you know, and 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 that could work against you also. So yeah, you had the 24-hour visits uh, with with several kids nationally, and USC had four of those kids come in uh, from modern day. You had C.J. Williams, the four-star wide receiver who's committed still to Notre Dame. Um, he's, he's on campus. Uh, they're going to leave uh, tonight. And, um, you know, one of the big time players that again, wasn't going to USC before Lincoln Riley was announced to be the coach. Uh, we talked about Raleigh Brown already. Wasn't going to USC before Lincoln Riley became the coach. David Bailey, who just committed to Stanford in the middle of the night, uh, a few days ago. And this is, I mean, the, the day has been crazy. Was, was told he was supposed to be, I mean, he was supposed to take the official visit. But then was told he was under the weather and didn't, didn't make the visit. And then he popped up at the basketball game and shotgun texts us and goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure David Bailey's at the basketball game. So, yep, he's back on campus. So that was a back and forth thing. Still committed to Stanford. He committed to Stanford after Lincoln Riley was hired. So you're sort of yeah. like, oh, that's an interesting one. Strangely, and, and there was already sort of like that unofficial visit weekend where you thought he was going to get down and – so, you know, David Bailey is definitely plugged in differently in terms of the recruiting process and, and, and knowing about this stuff. I know I remember Greg Biggins and I, Greg Biggins does national for 24-7 sports, does a, an amazing job for 24-7 sports. We were kind of talking about David Bailey and just, you know, Clay Helton getting fired and the assistant coaches and, and David not really realizing they even did that. He thought they just, he's like, if they, if they fire the head coach, they just bring another head coach and they just keep all the other coaches. And he was like... You know, Gray's kind of like not trying to explain it because it's not his job to explain what happens, right, yeah. but at the same time going, ah, yeah, that's probably not going to be the way it goes, you know? So it's like one of those things where some of these kids just don't understand how this all works. Yeah. And, you know, he's always liked USC and he's always liked Stanford. It's been USC and Stanford pretty much all the way back to the summer. And I think USC led for a long time, but, you know, you bring him to the game and Stanford crushes USC. And then you say, all right, we bring him back to a couple of games and Stanford it's not Stanford, somebody else. It's crushing USC, yeah. and it comes back for its official visit, and it's against UCLA. UCLA puts up 63 points on USC at home, and it's like, 
God, this kid, I mean, no wonder, you know, he's committing to Stanford, you know, so now you're trying well, Stanford to Stanford was terrible too, but yeah. they were terrible too, but they just were not as terrible as USC. And that's the thing for him. He wants the great academics, but he said time and time again and made sure to, to, to note this. I want to go to a school that wants to be good in football. Like I want to win championships. I'm going to modern day high school. I, I'm not signing up just to be a bookworm. Yeah. I, I want to get, you know, potentially to the league as well. I want to get developed. So the football element is big. I just don't know how much appreciation he might have for the new coaching staff coming in. So that's sort of where they are right now with David Bailey. But, hey, man, getting him on campus at all just to be able to get in front of Brian Odom, to get in front of Jamar Kane and the new coaching staff, and for them to be able to talk about what they've done for other players and to be able to talk about what they've done to Oklahoma and their vision for USC going forward I think will be very big. So we'll see what happens with David Bailey. And finally, Damani Jackson. We talked about Damani Jackson, the five-star cornerback, and how he was committed to USC already and the dynamic of Dante Williams there and the dynamic of potentially having – Elias Ricks there as well, and they're close, and there's been sort of, well, they don't want to go to the same school and whatever. I think that would be sorted out, and I think USC did a good job sorting that out actually last Sunday when Elias was on his official visit and Damani was there for his unofficial visit. And certainly there's going to be questions about you know who comes back for USC in that secondary. And we've heard a lot, you know, Chris Steele wants to try to go to the NFL draft. Uh, we know Greg Johnson's not going to be there. We know Chase Williams is not going to be there. There's going to be a lot of movement there. So potentially they could have a big defensive back class come in and they're going to be able to play those guys. And I think that's what they're going to be able to sell is early playing time for Damani and Elias Ricks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you missed it, Chase Williams and Greg Johnson entered the transfer portal this past week. Now, Gerard, we're getting comments. It's kind of like a fire hose of information for people. You're just yeah. a wealth of knowledge. If you are trying to tell USC fans one main thing to take away from this weekend. What would you tell them? Ooh, one thing. One thing to take away from this weekend. Not your art specialty. One thing. <laughs> Welcome to the challenge. Of you know, it, it's, it's, it's the beginning of a potential nucleus. Um, you know, we always go back to the Sean Cody commitment. Yes. And, and we've talked about, you know, how big that was. And, and Trojan fans always point back to that being sort of a landmark. We got the guy. That is the the statement, the the sort of cornerstone of the direction of where this program is going to go. And that guy doesn't necessarily exist in this class. I don't think it's going to be one guy. I think potentially it could sort of be like the poly four where it's really that nucleus of modern day uh, recruits. The fact that none of those guys were going to go to USC and potentially they could get all of them or at least a majority of them. I think is a big impact statement. And so, you know, 24 hours to do it, you know, 24 hours to change some minds. You've already got Raleigh Brown there. Can you get CJ Williams away from Notre Dame? Can you get Damani Jackson to, to go away from Alabama and to stick with USC? And can you get David Bailey away from uh, Stanford? And I think that would be obviously a big deal. I don't know if there's any underlying theme Obviously, it was great to see the amount of stars on campus. USC fans, and a lot of them I've seen through this, the threads of the updates on the Peristyle, are just excited to be talking about these level of players and yeah. not some three-star guys from East Texas that we've never heard of or anything, but guys that they followed you know, as sophomores and juniors in high school locally and the players that they know are the players that are the type of players that USC had when Pete Carroll made his run and how strong they were locally and how important that was for them to win championships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now for both of you, Ryan, I want you to go first. What are you expecting for Wednesday, early signing day? Yeah. So early reports, I mean, this is, I mean, 
guys are just leaving campus now. There's been a bunch of guys going on. We all talked to sources, talk, you know, people that were there, uh, what's going on. Seemed to be very positive. And the 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 mood in the building, and if you read the War Room, um, it's very – they're optimistic over there at Heritage Hall in the John McKay Center. And I think following this weekend, there's even a higher level of optimism of how this team can close. And like Gerard said, it's sort of like the nucleus. You didn't feel like – you wanted to make the great hire, and I don't think USC was focused on – making sure the recruiting class held together. There wasn't a lot of options that would not just salvage a recruiting class, but really rebuild it and make it something that could be the basis for uh, turning this program around. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do on the signing period, but it's going to be a bunch of high school guys. And uh, I think you're going to see from Wednesday, you know, the, the early signing period stuff, some names pop up and, and guys sign and you go from a class that's ranked 100 or whatever to it's 100 right now. Exactly. 100 right now yeah. to something that's maybe in the top 25 or maybe even a little bit better, uh, depending on how many names you get in there. But this will be a constant process. The first step is that, you know, this weekend was big, but the early signing period, getting some of those guys uh, to be signed. And it's going to look a lot different than when he took over and what the class was like. And if they can get you know, guys like Demonte Jack. If you can get some of these guys that were committed before, or some of these bigger name guys to switch, um, it's. I think it's going to be a big deal. But then you're going to start to see transfer portal stuff come in. There's going to be some names like Gerard talked about. Uh, a couple of the Oregon commits that will sign in February. Now that gives Oregon a chance. USC sort of has a lead on Oregon right now because you know Cristobal left. You're probably better off if those guys are signing on Wednesday because USC has been established a little bit more uh, than you know Oregon just made their. You know, they're higher. They're just trying to get things rolling. Um, but I think you're going to see some of those guys sign in February, too. But the transfer portal is probably going to be a big part of this as well. And I think that's going to be something that's a, an ongoing process. But these high school players from Wednesday, uh, I think it's, it's a big deal. And, every, you know, we don't know all the names of guys are going to sign. But I can just tell you there's a lot of optimism in that building that it's going to be – they're going to close strong. Gerard? Yeah. Uh, I, that's the feeling. And, you know – we're at a point where we don't necessarily know the read of the new staff and the new staff is, is trying to read in a different situation than they've ever been. You know, Lincoln Riley came to Oklahoma and there was already sort of an established culture and you had Bob Stoops there and everything. So this is a very different set of circumstances for he and his coaching staff. There is a rebuild to be done here and they are scrambling with some really good names. And so it's just a question of how, many of those names can you hit on and i think they have a good enough pool here of talent to be able to pick from that it is going to be a good finish um how good is good i'm looking at probably close to a dozen prospects overall from from a high school level that end up signing um, they are going to have a bunch of transfers and there could be some transfers that actually end up uh, committing at some point, you know, around the early signing period, maybe even on this early early signing period, they don't need to sign, but it could be just a momentum thing where they try to get guys in and uh, they try to kind of grow a little bit going into that day. So uh, there's potential for that as well. Um, I think they're going to have a very good defensive back class. Uh, I, I think that they are poised to be able to close with the majority of those players um, we will see what happens with the two Jaleels, you know, if they don't sign early and they actually go through the process. Um, Josh Connerly is going to be a huge 
huge recruit for USC on the offensive line, 6'5", uh, 200, 300-pound um, uh, offensive tackle from Rainier Beach in, in Seattle. He's kind of the marquee sort of franchise left tackle that's still on the board. Uh, there was a potential that USC could have gotten uh, um, Ernest Green uh, on campus today, and it didn't happen. Uh, Devon Campbell was another five-star out of Arlington that was going to officially visit USC, and it didn't happen. I don't know really what went on there, but you know there was a lot of that sort of back and forth. And, and again, not having a complete staff sort of handicaps sure. uh, Lincoln Riley to some extent. Offensive line and defensive line, that's where you saw guys like Hirokanu, uh, the you know, 6'3", 300-pound uh, uh, defensive tackle from Santa Margarita, who was a guy that I really liked the OU staff and really like OU. It was really OU and Ohio State for him, but USC did not bring the defensive line coach over from OU. And so it was sort of like, I like USC, but you could see he didn't have that relationship with the defensive line coach. The same thing kind of goes with the offensive line coach. So they will have an offensive line coach by the time Josh Connerly comes to campus and he officially visits, and that's going to be sometime in January. And so that will be taken care of, and, and that's really, I think, the big fish. Uh, the two Jaleels and him out in the sort of regular February signing day. So you could see, you know, 14 maybe commits out of this class. I don't think you're going to see more than 15. Um, if they really like hit it, you know, and they really got everybody they wanted, it would be closer to 15. But I think that's sort of where you're looking for. And, and then you're going to have a bunch of transfers. They're going to come in and they're going to supplement uh, various different positions. And so um, I think, yeah, I think it could be a class that I, I, I think, and I think I, the podcast, they said something like, uh, 25-ish or in the 20s or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a real. It's going to be a really good class. It's going to be a really good class in terms of quantity or excuse me, quality. If you're like in that 25 range, um, and I can't remember. I think it was like 195 points was was getting you into that like that top 25 area. And and when you deduce who that is and 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 what guys it takes to get to that point value, you say that's a good class. That's yeah. that's some dudes that are some dudes. And again, it's not, you know, the big offensive line class and then everybody that certainly the casual fans are going to go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, you just named off a bunch of dudes. And there was like two offensive linemen in that whole, you know, in that whole list. And there was barely any defensive linemen. You know, how good of a class could it be? In that sense, Gerard, I asked this with the guys last week. Is this the type of class where anything is better than what they were on the path to get with Clay Helton or an interim uh, with Lincoln Riley? Or is it you need the guys in the trenches and if you don't get those key guys who are still left on the board, this class is a bust? It's a little mixed because I'm sure there are going to be those fans where the expectations just went way too high. Um, but I think the majority of the fan base, again, there are a lot of people out there on the peristyle that are just excited that – there's something to be excited about. It's yeah. like, you know, maybe we don't get this guy. Maybe it's too late to get this guy. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, the son of Shade Tree uh, Jones, a, a big-time, you know, a former NFL guy and, you know, five-star defensive end. His son is coming to visit out of nowhere. We never really talked about this kid up until this point. It's just exciting to be here and to be back in the mix for these type of players. And hopefully, you know, in a couple years, we're not just back in the mix, but we're actually leading for these type of players. And then we can expect to have those type of players. So I think there's a mix of, of, of sort of where 
USC is right now and the fan base eh, trying to figure out, you know, like, yeah, where are we right now in terms of what we should expect? And, and of course, it always goes back to Pete and it goes back to Pete's run and everything is going to be compared to that in terms of the national recruiting and the type of players they're going to be able to get. But, I mean, the one thing that's good, and, and I don't want to go off into a completely different direction, but USC has some offensive linemen coming back that right. we thought maybe weren't going to come back. I mean, Andrew Voorhees, I think, is a huge yeah. um, uh, getting him back. Uh, is going to be something that it, it really helps the offensive line. Um, they are going to have to go to the porthole and find guys, yeah. uh, certainly. But um, the, the interesting thing about the the porthole, the, you know, so you, the twenty four seven Sports has a new product that will give you a ranking that includes yeah. transfers, and this is going to this was always going to be a class that's going to have to include, and this is going to be the staple, I think, of of transfers yeah. going to be. Uh, as it stands with the year waiver, it's such a big thing now. It's yeah. going to be so big. And, and Lincoln Riley likes the transfer portal. He likes that. He's, he was recruiting a lot of those transfers that were in the transfer portal when he was at Oklahoma. And now it's going to be that much more interesting because you have so many coaching changes. So I think that's going to become the standard of like, what's your class? And we talked about this on the, the podcast. What's your class really like? It's not going to be at the end of January or February. We're going to be into the summer, be right before fall camp going, yeah. okay, how did USC really do with the 2022 recruiting cycle? And you're going to be counting all these transfers. Yeah, those are, those are all will be included. And I think that's just going to be the way it is uh, for USC. I mean, for, for most teams and stuff going forward. But for this class particularly, I think that's going to be uh, a big part of it to see where it's ranked. But if USC can, like what Gerard is saying, you get 14, 15 high school guys that are part of this class and maybe, you know, stretching into February. That's huge. Like for Keeley's original question, I mean, there was no way that USC was going to be able to do that. I mean, if, if you kept Clay Helton, they would have had bodies. They would have had more people. Yeah. But it would have been a lot of three-star guys and stuff. They wouldn't have this kind of quality. Uh, he was just going to just be the dead man walking. You weren't going to be able to get it. And once he was fired and you had the interim head coach, it just that just wasn't going to work either. You needed someone to come in. And I don't know if there's anyone, if you maybe hire Nick Saban or something, but who would be able to do that to go for a class that was, you know, in the hundreds to top 25 in like a week and a half or whatever. That's that's kind of crazy. I'm mm -hmm. looking at these names and I would say that, let's say Clay Helton won eight games. Um, potentially, they could have gotten Zion Branch, maybe. He's very high in USC and it's been USC and Ohio State for the longest time. And they might have had a shot at him away from Ohio State. That's possible. Sabian, uh, Fabian Ross, who was committed early on, he would have stayed committed. Um, they weren't in it for Cyrus Moss coming out of the summer. This is before USC had that disaster season. So we're looking at this in August. Who are the guys that they really had a shot at? They were already losing a lot of ground on Javante Barnes to Oklahoma. Um, Garrison Madden was not on the picture. Jaleel Florence committed to Oregon, not in the picture. Um, C.J. Williams committed to Notre Dame, not in the picture. David Bailey... Yeah, I think David Bailey they could have actually probably got. If they would have eight games and say you would have beat Stanford in that, um, which they lost to Stanford by so much. I don't know if that's a game you can really say. they. I mean, you can't, like, some Clay, of those Clay games, Helton lost to Stanford, so like this isn't yeah. happening. Like You're saying if USC somehow had a way better season than they would have had. Yeah. Like that's yeah, well, double the pretty games. high Yeah, double the games. I don't know. Maybe yeah, because they, they did get destroyed by Stanford and that and Clay the, was still there for that like yeah it's not like, Damani Jackson might have stayed committed with with Dante Williams there you win eight games and you're not as embarrassed at home as many times as you were embarrassed uh but Raleigh Brown is not coming to USC he's staying at Oklahoma um yeah you're you're out of that group that visited this week you're talking about two maybe three guys 
Um, who you have a chance at. Yeah. yeah, who you have a chance at. And and now you're talking about probably closer to six, maybe seven. And uh, again, you know, that goes into um, the, the transfers that are, that are looking as well. And the one thing that we have not seen very much of is USC be able to get good transfers on the offensive line. That has been, you know, almost the biggest question. Like, why can't they recruit wide receivers? They're running air raid offense or passing the ball 60 times a game. They can't get any good wide receivers locally. They're losing them to Oregon, who barely passes the ball. And why can't we get offensive tackles from the portal? And that's a big question that, hey, Lincoln Riley decided, hey, let me let me get on that right away and bring in Bobby Haskins. Uh, so I think we're going to see more of those type of players where they're going to be aggressive and they'll try to get those guys on campus. And um, that would be obviously very big for the offensive line. Look, at Lincoln Riley said it during his press conference at the announcement. We're going to, paraphrasing this, we're going to turn this roster upside down. We're going to get it right. And he yeah. was he said that, you know, like three or four times. So it, it was very sort of upfront and, and maybe even a signal to the players on the roster right now, get your stuff together, man, because we're not going to sit around and just, you know, figure out uh, how things want, how, how you want the, the program to go, what the direction of the program is. Um, you know, the inmates have sort of run the asylum a little bit too long. And I think that was a little bit of a wake up call. You know, we're going to go to the portal and we'll grab a bunch of guys out of there if we need to. Mm -hmm. We've reached the top of the hour. We haven't even gotten into questions yet. Uh, yeah. I think we're going to have wait, to go into some rapid fire questions. I think we have to do rapid fire questions. Wait, gonna, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Do we have a playoff game coming on after this? Is, no. is, is YouTube giving us only so many minutes to be on YouTube live? Why can't we give the people more time? Talking about uh, where do you got to be, Keely? Inmates running the asylum. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, first off, well, that would be chat. I, I want to go into the peanut gallery, as I call them. Uh, the question we've received the most so far, I think it's kind of a blur for fans right now. What uh, USC's coaching staff roster looks like? Who is currently hired by USC, and who is left to fill the the roles are left to fill? Have they announced anybody officially? No. no. Okay, so reportedly, who is on the staff right now? Okay, so Dave Nickel, uh, inside receivers coach who came over from Mississippi State. Um, the outside receivers coach is going to be Dennis Simmons, who was also a passing game coordinator at uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. before he came over. Uh, Zach Hansen, to we to our knowledge, is going to be tight ends coach. He came over from Tulsa. He was offensive line coach at Tulsa, but he was introduced to recruits at the Sunday meet and greet as a tight ends coach. Um, obviously, they don't have an, uh, an offensive line coach, so there's been a little bit of talk like, well, maybe he's going to be the offensive line coach. To my knowledge, like I said, he was introduced to recruits as the tight ends coach. Um, he did talk to some of the offensive line recruits that were on campus, but that would stand a reason because he's a former offensive line coach, and they don't have an offensive line coach. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. But um, the short choice, the running backs coach, uh, a, a big get. Charge attack, yeah. Big get. Um, you have Jameer Gibbs, another, we're talking about transfers, uh, running back that transferred out of Georgia Tech. He was a guy that USC recruited uh, before he committed to Georgia Tech. He had offers from everybody. He was a fantastic running back. Like his high school film was amazing and decided to go to Georgia Tech. Now, we don't know if he's leaving Georgia Tech with Deshard Choice or was leaving because of Deshard Choice. We, we don't really know the dynamic there, but we would think that he probably has a good relationship with Deshard Choice. Kind of knew what was coming with him leaving, and that's a potential running back prospect for USC that would be 
big time. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a guy that's a day one starter type of player uh, that is a gravitational point. You don't talk about gravitational points for your offense. He's the type of guy that you can give the ball to 25 times and he's going to go to work. So that would be obviously a big deal for USC. Uh, defensive side of the ball, Brian Odom uh, is going to be inside linebackers coach. Um, Alex Grinch, who was uh, introduced as a defensive coordinator um, during the uh, the announcement. Jamar Kane, um, we know is an outside linebackers defensive line coach uh, for Oklahoma. Um, and he was sort of a, a, a sort of the hybrid edge rusher coach. And they had a regular interior defensive line coach as well. So we're not 100% sure if he's going to be the defensive line coach or he's just going to be sort of the edge rusher type of coach. Um, and he also could come with a co-coordinator title. I've heard a little bit of that too, but nothing's been confirmed yet about that. Uh, Roy Manning, who coached cornerbacks at Oklahoma, but played linebacker at Michigan and was originally a linebacker's coach. He could be an outside linebacker's coach or he could be a cornerback's coach. We assumed he was a cornerback's coach because he was recruiting those kids down there in San Diego, the two Jaleels, and was uh, the one that was talking to Damani Jackson the most during the unofficial visit. So uh, we haven't talked to Damani yet. He's still on his official visit. So, you know, we don't know if it was, was it Dante there or was it Roy Manning? Was it both of them? Uh, we're not 100% sure. And Dante Williams, who we don't know exactly where he's going to end up on the staff. It was floated to me a couple of weeks ago that he could remain on the staff and potentially because, you know, he's still making like $850,000, $900,000. He's got a year on his contract. He could just be maybe a support staff guy for that. And that seems like, wow, that's a lot of money for support staff. But, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, there's been a lot of schools that have some really interesting names on their support staff. Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Tosh Lapoy. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could be a guy that's just an on-campus type recruiter, uh, or he could be a position coach and end up being the cornerbacks coach. And like we said, Roy Manning could end up uh, moving to another position. So and, and Dante Williams was there uh, with recruits at the basketball game today yeah. and stuff. So it he looks like you know Keeley's report that we talked about earlier that he's going to be part of the staff in some capacity. We don't have any official word outside of the the Dennis Simmons and the Alex Grinches that were there early on. Um, and they haven't actually, I guess they haven't been officially. Like, yeah, there's been no, they weren't practice though. So I feel yeah, like that's practice. as official as it can be. We just haven't gotten the Twitter graphic. That's yeah. what we're waiting for. That makes it official Twitter yeah. graphic. Definitely. And sometimes USC takes a while to make a lot of this stuff official. Now we know those guys got on the plane with Lincoln Riley without a contract in hand. Um, usually it takes you know, to vet these guys and everything for USC. There's kind of a slower process that goes through. So we don't get the official, official, Announcements, but when you're out there recruiting uh, like that, then obviously that's you know about as official as it gets. But we'll may, maybe we'll find out on the early signing period when they do announce the class and all of that stuff. Um, if we get some sort of bios on the coaches, if they make that announcement, we'll see. Or they might wait a little longer for that. Alrighty, jumping into questions, rapid fire answers here. Mark Watkins wanted to know why is T Max so dead set on Oregon despite all the changes and unknowns, and so against even giving USC a chance. Just a childhood favorite, and he's another guy that's just not plugged into football and recruiting the way people would assume. He's not one of those guys that liked recruiting and was involved with recruiting that way and not a guy that like really followed football. I mean, I remember when uh, there was all the rumors of uh, the offensive coordinator uh, leaving um, uh, Joe Moorhead, and I was talking to a source, and the source goes, I don't even know if he would know who Joe Moorhead is. Like he's just not plugged in to to, to things like that. He's, he's like going, going to, to Oregon, but he doesn't know who the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's going to Oregon because he liked Oregon. He liked the people of Oregon. He likes the uniforms and 
it's it's you know superficial in some ways, but then not superficial in other ways. He felt very comfortable there, uh, just with the campus and everything. And USC completely dropped the ball on that, you know, during the summer. And um, that is what it is. But uh, yeah, he's just one of those kids that just determined to go to Oregon. Uh, Coley wanted to know: Do you feel USC's main competition for West Coast talent is mainly Pac-12 teams, or is it outside the Pac-12, like Notre Dame, SEC, and Big Ten teams? You want it to be the teams outside the Pac-12. You want it to be the SEC and Oklahoma and Notre Dame um, because that's the national guys. You know, that's the big time guys, the Corey Foremans uh, that everybody's going after. And you want to be locking those guys down and it'd be somebody from the outside that's trying to get them. Because if they go, then there's a chance you're not even playing against them. Uh, You want to dominate the Pac-12. And and to the point where you're not worried about Oregon. Oh, the Oregon will get the leftovers. You know, UCLA get the leftovers. That's sort of how it was with Pete Carroll. There really was never a, oh, you know, what's going to happen at this school or that school in the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. It was always, you know, we're going against Florida. We're going against, um, you know, Texas A&M or whoever for that particular player. So that's how you want it. You want it to be the, the, the teams from outside trying to come into Southern California and take away the top guys. Uh, Louise wanted to know, how much recruiting did the old staff really do? I don't know. How do we gauge uh, the 15 minutes? Uh, how do we, is it just a time, you know, four days worth? I, I mean, um, they, it's not like they didn't recruit. I mean, you had recruited. Right. I mean, Dante Williams was on the staff. Like right. he was a dynamic recruiter. Um, guys like Vic Soto, uh, Craig Nivar, like there were guys that were good recruiters. Obviously. I'll say this. Talk to Raleigh Brown's dad and he made an interesting comment. And he said, you know, we loved Oklahoma because we had such a great relationship with the coaches. We felt at home with USC because we had such a great relationship with the recruiters. And what he was saying by recruiters, what he meant by that was the Armando Hawkins, the Marshall Sherringtons, the support staff guys. Yeah. Didn't have that relationship with the actual assistant coaches. And I think that is a big difference in terms of the guys that constantly called them and constantly reached out. That was the big deal. So I I would say – that sort of sums up a little bit in terms of, you know, coming from a five-star recruit, how they saw it and, and how they felt about USC. The support staff did a really good job for USC the past couple of years. I mean, USC made some big strides. I know we talk about it over and over again. People, you know, like to bring it up, you know, when during this whole year, like, oh, no, we just lost Mikel Williams. Great job, support staff. And it's like, no, come on, man. The support staff can only do so much. They, they're they they're breaking ice. That's what you want the support staff for. You know, you want Mondo, you know, you see Christian Miller, the defensive tackle uh, out of Atlanta, Ellenwood High School, which is actually a little south of Atlanta. But um, he, he gets off the plane and he's just like, where's Mondo at? Where's Mondo at? And you can see that these guys never met before and there's already like a bond and a relationship. Well, you know what? You, USC didn't do their part for the part of having the defensive line coaches and the, and the winning and all the other stuff that went with it to get Christian Miller. But Mondo did his part. Mondo got him to LAX and he was excited to see him. And you, now you have to close with the other part of it. And this, the support staff in so many situations over the years have been trying to close, you know, Gavin Morris is trying to close with yeah. Darnay Holmes. Gavin Morris doesn't know how to backpedal. He's not going to be the position coach for him. He's not going to develop for the NFL. He's the, you know, play, uh, the de- uh, director of the player development. You know, so it's like you can only go so far, and then it has to be taken over by those those position coaches and the head coach because you have to be able to have a product on the field. You have to develop those guys. So that whole aspect of it is is really where USC has to get better. And and obviously at this point, you feel like they have a good chance of that because they've got Lincoln Riley yeah. and they've got a good staff. We don't have a food analogy, but I can give you one. Like it's sort of like they have this 
the USC support staff, they have like these great chefs, but then you open the pantry and it's very limited as far as what you have. You know, there's like, oh, there's some squid ink and uh, an egg, eggplant. And like, they didn't have a whole lot to make a great meal with, you know, they were doing what they could. They're, they're getting people yeah. into the restaurant, but they were, right. you know, and they're good chefs. Now you, you, a guy like Lincoln Riley, now you have a completely full pantry and a deep freezer and all, and whatever you need. And now they can do a lot more. Um, they can get those guys to campus and they can serve a great meal and the customers can go happy where it's just before there was a lot of limitations of what the support staff could do. They, they did an amazing job for what they had to deal with. Um, I like how you said, we don't have a food analogy, but here's one. We did. Oh, we haven't, we haven't had, had one. one. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's always like when I ask on instant, uh, any, any final thoughts? No. And then everyone says their final thoughts. It's just right. a, a response you need. Now, the question we had for Dave, and we've talked about this before. So Gerard, I want to get your, your thoughts on this. The timing of the early signing period. What are your thoughts? Terrible. Poop. Next question. Where would you move it to? Uh, September. End of August, September. It needs to be a real signing period that's really early for the kids that take their summer visits, spring visits. Because you can take official visits in April. You can take them in May and you can take them in June. Um, now, a lot of schools don't like to do it in May because that's the time that you can get on the road and recruit. Um, but there's potential to have official visits then. So the quarterbacks, the kids that really love the school and they're committing to the school for the school – Get it done. And if it doesn't work out for you and there's a change in, in coaching, fine. You've got your your waiver for the porthole, and you can jump into that porthole first, head first, and, and go wherever you want to go without, you know, having to sit out a year. Um, yeah, get it done early for real for the for the kids that are really serious about it before their senior seasons. And uh, this nonsense, you know, right before the holidays, finals, uh, the end of the year where all these coaches are scrambling around, you've got all these it, – it's nonsense. You know, the February one, you've got three weeks there in February where it gets you a little bit away from all this coaching changing that's going to happen. There's still going to be coaches, you know, even after the February signing day, that, that might go here and there. But you're talking about one position coach here, one position coach there, not entire staffs. Yeah. And, and now it's just – it's really unfair. And these kids are, you know, are up against it right now. Like I said, there's guys that, you know, Garrison Madden was thinking – he wasn't dreaming about USC just a week ago and now all of a sudden he's going oh my gosh now i have an opportunity to go here and i've had this relationship built with all these other schools for months so yeah jasper smith wanted to know which recruit will commit to usc that we all will be saying whoa that came out of nowhere if that's possible that's a that's a prediction and a half there yeah. um of uh, came out of nowhere i mean obviously marvin jones jr would be a, out be a of bit nowhere. you know that's a five-star guy and, uh, you know, a guy that comes out of the SEC country. And, and I mean, USC offered him early in the process. They just were never uh, they weren't a factor. Yeah, a factor in his recruitment at all. So it really hasn't happened until just this last week or so where you're even thinking about him. Um, I, I think he would be the guy that would really be out of nowhere. Um, that would be that sort of wow. And, and we go back to Ryan and the whole – the two different wows. You know, I learned – wow. Wow, you know yes. the two different, yeah. So, so he 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 has that wow I think factor. I nailed that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think <laughs> on the field, I mean, David Bailey would be a heck of a get. I mean, that's a great player. I, I mean, he's down to Stanford and USC. He's been down to Stanford, USC forever. So I don't know. It's that big of a wow. But I think on the on the field, I think because he wasn't a national name and he doesn't he didn't decide to become a national name by going out and visiting Notre Dame and going out and visiting all these schools he had scholarship offers from. Um, he really kind of narrowed it down to the West Coast, Cal, Stanford, and USC early on. So he wasn't on that radar like that, but he's up there. I mean, he's a really big-time player. And I think this Earl Barquette guy, man, I, I didn't I didn't know him from a hole in the ground, but if USC is able to get him, he looks like a dude that would be in Alex Grinch's defense and be havoc 
he's a good looking player. You guys need to check him out to see some of his uh, his highlights that he has on his uh, Twitter page. There you go. Uh, just a correction earlier. I said Greg Johnson had entered the transfer portal. He actually hasn't yet. So just FYI there. Uh, Gerard, we had some questions wondering if you will give a percentage or your get, gut feel about where Damani Jackson ends up. Man, I, you know, you do that before signing day, right? Yeah, we have a forecast and we, we have, have some, some things. And so we'll, we'll do that. I, I think with Damani and just to do it with Damani, man, I, I think it's, I think it's USC right now. I, I think I'm I'm sort of on that like 60% for him. I, I think it's very close though. Uh, it's tough because, I mean, it's Nick Saban. And Nick Saban saying, I want you to come play for me. And I'm a former DB's coach. And I'm going to get you to the NFL. And, you know, they've had some time to sort of. Tough to be that. Yeah, get under, get under his skin a little bit and get in there and, and really work him a little bit before USC made this big hire. Um, but you know, keeping Dante is going to be big. I think he's got a really good relationship with Roy Manning. Um, I just feel like the, the, the synergy of those Mater day guys and Elias Ricks, I think everything, the momentum right now feels like USC. It doesn't mean that, you know, signing day comes around and all of a sudden he decides, ah, no, I'm going to go with USC. But I think you're feeling USC right now. I think there's some momentum there for sure. Mm -hmm. We had a couple questions, uh, about Malik Murphy. Uh, Quinn Ears, yours? I can't say it because it's too similar to my last name. Uh, he committed to Texas uh, on the, while we were getting ready for the show. Does I can't that mean because it it's too similar to my name, which I say all the time? I don't. Yours, know. yours. I don't. Whatever. Yours, yeah. Uh, will USC make a run at Malik Murphy? Did uh, they even make a run at him while he was a recruit? No, I mean they kind. No, they really didn't. Um, even way back, uh, junior year, they really. Never went after Malik Murphy. Um, there was that sort of decision. It, at first, it was sort of A.J. Duffy was the guy that they were going to go out to. Uh, he was out of uh, Rancho Verde High School, and then he transferred over to IMG when they had the COVID, and they were playing California that fall. Um, and he's committed to uh, Florida State, I, I believe, still. He was going to commit to, I think, Arizona State, but now he's ended up at Florida State. And that was sort of, you know, that sort of fork in the road, you know, we always talk about. And, and you know, that's been botched up a bit by, by Clay Helton. You know, we talk about the two quarterbacks, and every year there was a two-quarterback scene like USC got neither. Uh, you know, they had yeah. the Shea Patterson, and then you had K.J. Costello, and then you had Tate Martell, and then you had um, uh, Toy um, Tagovailoa. Uh, it, it was, you know, always, you know Matt DJ, Corral. DJ, uh, Matt Corral. Well, Matt Corral they had committed, yeah, and then they didn't get him committed. Yeah. But, you know, they had DJ there, and they had Bryce Young, and they, they ended up with neither guy, it seemed like, all the time. Um, and so they tried to make that decision really early on and they ended up with Devin Brown who came out of nowhere and yeah. Devin Brown's not committed to USC anymore. He's going to go to Ohio state. Um, but that was a, sort of an interesting thing where Malik Murphy just wasn't on, uh, the radar for them, uh, from an evaluation standpoint. And I kind of see it, you know, he's been very, very good at camps. He struggled during the season in pads. He's just not played nearly as well as he's played in camps. Um, but you know, he's a development guy and I thought maybe USC would make a move on him to try to get somebody for that 22 class. We talked about this on the podcast. I won't go into it, but you know, you got Caleb Williams there at Oklahoma. A lot of people saying could make that move into the portal. And then you've got, you know, Jackson Dart sitting there. A lot there. of names. His name's come up in the chat a lot. Yeah. Caleb Williams. Yeah. You, you've got Miller Moss there and it's like, okay, how much do you want to shake up that quarterback room? And what kind of depth do you have? I mean, USC is not going to have great depth. It, it looks like unless they can get, you know, more guys um, out of the portal, which, 
You know, it's tough to get good quality names from transfers when you've got good quality names on the roster already. Yeah. So, you know, Jackson Dart's a good player. I, I think he's going to scare away some people. Um, and Caleb Williams is certainly a good name. He's going to scare away some people. So quarterback depth is going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, but I thought maybe you could sneak a guy in like Malik Murphy. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, though. It seems like he's going to go to Texas. We had a question from Gary on Facebook who said, do you believe that Lincoln Riley has already already has an O-line and D-line coach but can't announce it because they're actively coaching, or is he still looking for the right guys? They haven't announced really anything, so I wouldn't say that's the reason you wouldn't announce it. Um, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, as far as-, <laughs> as far as having somebody in mind, I think so. Because I think with the running back coach, they had to start choice in mind, I think, here for better part of a week or two, uh, it would be my estimation. Cause I know that there were some other names out there and good quality names. And, and, you know, when I start to get little, you know, text messages and things of, of people that are interested in their good coaches, I go, okay, that level of, of interest means that they're probably going to get a good candidate. And they did. I mean, I think Deshaun choice is a hell of a running back. Um, a guy that you could bring in and again, you know, hits the ground running with Javante Barnes in terms of recruiting. Um, we're going to see, you know, maybe there's something there with J- Jameer Gibbs, maybe not. Uh, but a guy that, um, I mean, a lot of Georgia Tech fans are really upset and, you know, they're, they're, they're sad to see him go, which is, you know, sad for them. But you'd like to see that if you're a Trojan fan, you, you want to see that the fan base is not going, oh, thank God, this guy is no longer coaching here sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, Tashar Choice did a very good job at Georgia Tech, and uh, they were sad to see him go. Gary also wanted to know, is it hard to find an O-line coach that meshes with Lincoln's style of offense? It's funny. They had Clay McGuire, who does, you know, and then he ends up going up to Washington State. Yeah. Um, But it's funny. Like, you're like, hey, actually, Clay McGuire came in. And did a good job, like which was sort of weird. We haven't seen that really being at USC. Like you kind of get guys who are like, well, I guess that's okay. Like, oh, I mean, this was not a group that you thought was going to, you know, they lost two first rounders the last couple of years. They played better than most of the groups. I mean, as far as like what they had and stuff. And you had freshman tackles starting and then swapped them out for some veteran guys. Later on, uh, the offensive line performed well. They they weren't bad on third and shorts and fourth and shorts. Like they probably overperformed. So Bringing a guy like Clay McGuire, you're like, oh, that actually worked. Now, you should have brought him two years ago when uh, when you first hired Graham Harrell. And you, you had a yeah. square peg round hole thing with the offensive line coach. But you did have someone that was going to be an option. But I think USC has to get out of that mode where like, oh, we had someone that's pretty good. You want to go get someone that's great. And, and Clay McGuire might be great. I'm not sure. But I think that's – Lincoln Riley's not shooting for someone that's going to be, oh, that'll work. It's going to be like, no, we want a great offensive line coach. They have that co-coordinator – run game coordinator title there and the OU coach who's going to stay at OU um, he was making good money I mean like $850,000 a year so you're talking about a guy that is going to come in and have some say in the offense um, and certainly the run game so you know that's an interesting question you know what is Lincoln Riley's offense you know I, I don't really know how you would categorize it. It's a spread offense. Um, It's not air raid. It's never been air raid. He's got way too many good running backs that have come out of that, that offense and and they've run the ball well too, too well to really look at it as an air raid offense. I I think it's just sort of a spread pass run offense. Um, Is it even pass first? Maybe, maybe, maybe it was at one point, but now that you've had so many running quarterbacks that have come through there, um, I don't even know if you would describe it as that either. Uh, They've actually used more, 
uh, running the ball design with the quarterback um, than a lot of teams that uh, that that pass the ball like you'd say, you know, Graham Harrell, where it's, you know, still not an air raid offense. Traditionally, you know, we all said, okay, they're bringing in the air raid, but then we saw two tight ends on the field a lot. Yeah. That's not the air raid. No, what is this? Yeah, what wasn't. is this black magic? And so it's, it's, it's sort of like this hybrid based off the personnel that you have. And it didn't work at USC. Now we're going to see how Lincoln Riley does it, who's obviously been much more successful. But we can't – listen, there's there's two little points here. Can't deny that Graham Harrell was successful at North uh, Texas. And that's why Mr. Abraham was very excited to bring him in. Hey, let's get rid of the gumbo and, and bring in this guy. And it didn't work at USC. It worked USC. for a year. It worked kind for the first of, year. Kind of worked for a year, yeah. And then it didn't work after that. And the other thing is – and I hate to rain everybody's parade – Tashard Choice was actually running backs coach under Graham Harrell at North Texas. So, you know, we're going to see how, how it all works and, and how it works with USC. You know, what, what works here? And is Lincoln Riley going to be able to, to make those adjustments with his own scheme in terms of the personnel that he has and, you know, what, what actually goes? Now, obviously, he's done it with a lot more talented players at Oklahoma than Graham Harrell did at North Texas. And I think that was probably a big deal in terms of using marginalized talent um, in a scheme that's sort of built around marginalized talent, whereas Lincoln Riley comes and he's going to be working with Oklahoma players, and you're getting really good players at Oklahoma. He understands sort of the 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 I guess the upside that you can use with the guy being athletic, and you know you see just more one on ones. That that that's what you see from you know, your more pro style offenses, and the more talent you have, the more you're going to be able to rely on your guy beating the other guy. Just yeah. we're gonna you're gonna Drake. London it and your this guy is just going to beat that guy and then the rest of your scheme sort of can go around that that tends to be the way it is instead of hey we're going to go out here and going to go try to use the field to, to to help these marginalized smaller receivers be able to get open yeah. we got a question from guess who on youtube who said michael williams any chance to flip him back and we had bob uh, on facebook was saying now that george's defensive coordinator is the yeah. head coach at oregon uh yeah. dan landing michael right. should have visited this weekend yeah so he he Potentially could have visited this weekend and did not. He did not. He was going to. I mean, we heard quite a bit uh, last week after the in-home visit with Lincoln Riley uh, and Alex Grinch that he was going to officially visit. And then that changed and it, it went back and forth there for a while. Um, you know, Dan Landing wasn't his position coach. And certainly Kirby Smart runs that defense. And I think, you know, he tweeted something out that he was very comfortable with uh, with with Georgia and go dogs and everything after uh, landing is, was announced to go to uh, Oregon. So um, I think, you know, that ship sailed and it just was one of those things where he probably thought about it and said, I'm, you know, am I going out there to just hang out with uh, my, my brother, uh, Michael Trigg? Uh, or am I being serious about that? And, you know, that that was always going to be a thing with, with even Clay Helton in USC winning seven, eight games. That was a guy you go, okay, they got that commitment early in the summer. It's great, but it's not going to last because, you know, he's there in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, all these schools are going to be after him. And that's exactly what happened. And USC made it very easy on them, you know, obviously. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he was going to be a hard guy to get away from those teams. If USC was you know, winning and they were rolling this season and you win 11 games and you got Lincoln Riley, that's a different story. And that's where, again, when we're talking about expectations, it's one of those guys where we expected if they keep Clay Helton and they win eight games, they're going to lose Mikel Williams. Um, but you're going to get to a point where, okay, you win 10, 11 games and you've got Lincoln Riley, then you start to expect to keep Mikel Williams. Alrighty, gentlemen, we have almost reached the 830 mark. Any final thoughts before we wrap this show up? No, zip. <laughs> 
That's not how it works, Gerard. Yeah, you just said on instant analysis, Peace they always okie doke you. Oh, well, there you go. So I'm trying to I be know. You, well done. That was your own thing, Keely. Oh, okay, um, fine, fine. Well, Good first job. of all, we do appreciate everyone uh, coming on. I'm not going to say I don't have any final thoughts because I always do. But uh, mm-hmm. no, appreciate it. I had, there were people commenting on, on YouTube like, hey, Ryan, are you going to say something? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Keely are kind of here for the we're, – we're along for the ride mostly yep. with Gerard, Gerard which show. is fine, which is great. But a um, ton of people that were watching live on Facebook, on YouTube – and on uh, Twitter, we really appreciate all that. Hit the like yeah. button and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, we appreciate all you guys for for being a part of this. And we appreciate Gerard coming in. Um, it's a different feel, right? There's still, like, people, there's still USC fans that are sort of, like, gun-shy. They're like, oh, wait, this is going to be a disaster somehow, right? Like, uh, oh, they're going to get an awful offensive line coach. They're never going to recruit an offensive lineman again. There's, like, no, things that's brighter. Like, the sun has come up. There's things that are going to be. There's much brighter days ahead. They're not used to this, Gerard. They're not used to, like... Oh, well, something – oh, maybe that didn't go exactly the way I thought it was going to go. Well, it's obviously going to fall apart and be a disaster. Like, no, it might be better than what you thought it was going to be. So uh, hopefully fans can kind of get some of those optimistic feelings back. Uh, I know some are, and some are still sort of the sky is falling. Something's going to have to fall. Like, it's going to blow up somehow, right? Like, this can't be good. We're yeah. not allowed to have good things. Um, you're seeing some of that in the chats, but hopefully, you know, They'll, they'll kind of see. I think on Wednesday you're like, wow, that was pretty impressive. Remember, I told you like USC is going to hire a coach, and you're going to say, wow, you did not. Wow, like that's that was the thing. There's a difference between the wows. Like I think you're going to go on so, signing so day and you, say, wow, you're making a prediction right now, another a wow one. prediction. Okay, so at the end of on signing day, you're just going to go, wow, like that's going to be very like, well, you're a hundred fourth, and now it's. Blah. And like, oh, got this guy, got that guy. I feel like that's what you're going to feel on Wednesday. Rankings wise, what do you what do you think is wow? I mean, do you have to get that's almost top ten or is it top fifteen? Because if you're talking about a you're talking about a small class, remember here. You know? I know. I think it's I think it's going to be like if you get to the twenty, like in the twenty, you know, twenty or so, or yeah. in the teens, like that's great. I think that's. But it'll just be like there'll be some dudes that you're just like, oh, I didn't expect that guy. Wow, like there was a question we had. Um, yeah, I just feel like you're going to be a little bit surprised on signing day and go, that's a long way to come from, you know, three commitments that it was like a week ago or whatever it was. Right. Like, I think, I think it definitely, it's going to be about those impact players, you know, and getting, even though it's a small group, guys are going to see next fall and and you're going to say that guy's going to play and that guy's going to make some plays and this is going to get things turned around for us. And so it's not going to be again, you know, a big group of this, that, or the other, maybe the defensive back group is, is going to have some numbers there that, that could be impressive, but you know, you're not going to have like this defensive line group where you got, Oh, you get five big time defensive linemen. And that's the theme of the class or, Oh, wow, well, we got six offensive linemen. That's the theme of the class or what have you. But um, I think uh, in terms of, uh, you know, quality versus quantity, I think it should definitely be some quality um, in terms of last words. Uh, I really don't have anything much else to say. Um, hello to Jameson and Peyton. I uh, hope you guys are, Almost in bed, uh, my niece <laughs> and my nephew. Um, How cute! And uh, They're and, cute. and and happy holidays because we're we're getting up close to it. The holidays are coming, and um, the dead period is is almost going to come. And so, you know, we're going to get on that other side of the fifteenth, and uh, you're going to have uh, all the way till about the ninth, where you know there's no recruiting really allowed. And some of these kids are going to also, and we have to say, they will sign on the fifteenth, but they will stay quiet until they can announce at one of the All Star games which will happen, you know, January 8th, uh, that first week of January. 
And so, you know, they tend to leak a lot. You know, people start to kind of get an idea of what's going on. But that's also going to be something where you might have some holdouts on the 15th where they don't actually commit. Uh, but behind the scenes, they have signed their letter of intent. Yeah. Good to know for sure. Well, Gerard, thank you so much for coming on the show. Just so much information. So thank you for that. Find him on Twitter at Gmart Live or on the Peristyle. He's always jumping into threads and putting knowledge down. So look out for that. And USCFootball.com Wednesday. We will have all the updates there. Boss man, there is a deal. 50% off. That's nearly half off. Or exactly half it off. Is actually <laughs> exactly half off. I there tweeted I tweeted that out for fun. Yeah, no, so go go check it out. We've had thank you for everyone that's been signing up. I mean, it's been absolutely crazy. It's hard to keep up. We try to welcome everybody, but there's just too many. But um, thank you so much for joining. And if you haven't, jump in there and do it. You want to get to, you know, you want to go to the water cooler at work and know more about USA football than all your coworkers, this is the way to do it. You get on there, read what you want to get into the weeds. You get into the peristyle. It will take you to another When they say something dumb, you can go, no, that's not happening. Here's what's really happening. You can say, listen, buddy, I'm going to go take a nape. Yeah. I don't know if people noticed in the comments, but we just had a little celeb sighting. Brain Sosna commented, see you soon, television. We have a tentative date for him to show up. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's coming up soon. Uh, we'll be excited to, to talk Team to him as well. There you go. Sosna, he's taking his uh, you know victory lap. He's got, you know, that's good for him. Like yeah, they they did. I mean, phenomenal job. We love so Brandon's been awesome to us. Mike Bowen, they've been great. Uh, just the interaction, you know, they weren't giving a lot of interaction during the, the coaching search. <laughs> but they're no. Hey, they, they let you into the room to see that it might have been Matt Campbell and. No, but they've been really good as far as Ryan like just, professional. I know, just like <laughs> just I'm trying to finish my thought here. You talked enough, so the, the, I mean, they've just been really good about this stuff. But I think USC fans are, are lucky to have uh, those guys there. I mean, just so long without having professional administrators in the athletic department, and now that you have them, it's like oh. Actually, people making good decisions, hiring people that are good at their jobs. Like, what a novel concept. So, uh, but it's, it's great. We're, we're really happy that Brandon's going to come on the show. Yep. Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks again, Gerard, for coming on. That's Ryan. That's Gerard. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.